Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our friends at Ditch Witch. Bass Edge Television is on the World Fishing Network. We're also on the Wild TV Network in Canada. And we'll be back on our home stretch of Versus in January of 2009. Be glad when that happens. I know a lot of people watch us on Versus. Our good friend Aaron Martin is alongside. You tied off? You ready to go? I am. How's the trolling motor been? I heard you've been uh, a little weak in that department lately. Oh, no. Trolling motor's good. Trolling motor's good. All did, kinds you get of... everything, did you get everything fixed? Everything is everything is officially fixed. All right. I don't well, even hey, know what you you're know, talking this about. Week, do what? <laughs> no. What was that? I, said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm just going to agree with you. Uh, well, I heard you were limping along the other day. That's all. <laughs> uh, I just told everybody you've just been in the depressed mood lately. That's right. Yeah. Hey, we got a great show for you this week, folks. Uh, Tim Horton is going to be along, and Steve Brigman did a great job. And Congratulations, Steve. Wonderful job. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that with Tim. And then we're going to check in with uh, CBAA folks, right? That's right. Troy Heckman will be back. Give us an update on that. Uh, so just really another another good podcast all right you ready i am all right folks it's all right here for you on the edge you're listening to the edge the official audio program of bass edge brought to you in part by ditch which is on experience the revolution oh look here i got one i got one look here <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, welcome to The Edge. This is Outdoors Dan Young along with my good friend Aaron Martin. And what have you been doing? Oh, man, I tell you what, it's uh, been a good but busy couple of weeks, and uh, obviously just got off of a uh, filming trip there, the South Carolina-Alabama swing, and uh, now I'm actually getting ready to head out to Las Vegas to join uh, our good friends B&W Trailer Hitches out at the uh, professional bull riding finals there at the fan zone. That's really a good place for you. It is, it is good. Yeah. This is PBR. Yeah, this is PBR, not PBS. I thought you you were talking. Never mind. (laughs) Hey, uh, before we go any further, uh, folks, uh, hunting season's in full swing, and we always talk about what Aaron's up to, but hey, listen, uh, I really want, we've been doing a thing on the Outdoors Traditions TV deal. I've been getting a ton of emails lately about people getting hurt and uh, having accidents in the woods, and it's all related to falling in and out of tree stands. So I came up with something called Project Hookup, and it's, you know, hookup ties in with fishing. We always no want to hook up on a fish. Just do me a favor, and we'll leave it at this. Um, if you're going to be hunting off the ground this year, uh, anytime you get in an elevated area, like a, you're going up and down a tree stand using a climber, make sure you wear a safety vest or a safety harness that's approved by the TMA, the Tree Stand Manufacturers Association. I've had, I know I've gotten two emails from people that have uh, died this year because they didn't wear anything like that and they fell. And, you know, folks, it only takes a second. The man-made things can fail, and we just want to make sure you get out there and hunt and fish and enjoy the outdoors, but always have safety on top of mind awareness with that, and we'll just leave it at that. But Project Hookup, if you're going to hunt in a tree this year, make sure you're hooked up and it can save your life. 
Well, I mean, and what a great uh, what a great cause, Dan. And I, I, to me, that's no different than getting in a boat and not hooking up your kill switch. I mean, uh, you know, safety has to be uh, the first and, and foremost. And so hats off uh, to you and Outdoor Traditions uh, for doing that. And uh, we look forward to being involved in that. Well, you are in that. We yeah. just, we, you guys are always involved in safety. You know, it's no different than wearing your personal communication device, you know. you got to right. just wear you got to make safety your priority. That's right. So you're in Vegas with Nicholas Cage and E. So yeah, that? I am in Vegas, and uh, matter of fact, uh, we'll be out there. Actually, the event starts on October 31st, so here in uh, in just a few days. Uh, runs through the 9th of November, but we're going to have uh, the Bass Edge Fishing Challenge, which is actually the Nintendo Wii video game that uh, we're going to be doing and, and doing some great prize giveaways. How, how do you get hooked up with this stuff? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I honestly, you guys are gonna—they're gonna have a bass edge fishing game now. No, well, it's no, 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 no. No, what we're doing is they're at the uh, BMW oh, okay. booth. Uh, we're going to call it have a little competition, friendly I competition on the Nintendo Wii system. Yep, and then we'll be giving away prizes and stuff like that. So if uh, anybody happens to be out in the Vegas area, I mean, I know the event is sold out every single day, so I know there's, I think they're estimating over 90,000 people are going to be there. But uh, come by, uh, participate, love to talk fishing, and uh, get some free stuff in your hands. Folks, that's what Aaron and Mike Love and all them guys do when they're on the road. They don't go out and have a nice dinner. They order a pizza and they play with the Wii. Oh, exactly. Everybody thinks we're out here working hard, and we just go back (laughs) to the motel. Say, so did you fish today? Yeah, we never left the hotel room. We just played with Nintendo Wii the whole time. There you go. Yep. Hey, uh, Steve Brigman's book, Somebody's Got to Do It. It's got a, uh, a shelf uh, waiting for someone out there. That's right. It is, it is hitting the shelves, and I uh, finally got to, to read uh, the entire copy, and it is hilarious. You know, of course, Steve is long-term outdoor writer, just won a Lifetime Achievement Award, but, you know, he travels all over the world on his hunting and fishing excursions. He's got things, and it's a collection of basically of short stories and, you know, in Steve's eloquent writing fashion. It's just hilarious, and he's got some scary things in there as well that's happened to him, but uh, we'll be talking about that more to come, but if you have the opportunity, certainly get a copy of that, because uh, I think you'll you'll definitely enjoy it. There you go. For everyone uh, still wet in the line out there that's not snowed under, yeah, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> but, you know, the fish are starting to settle down, huh? Well, no question. And, you know, I, I really feel like that they're really starting to stabilize, you know, um, not quite as scattered. They're, they're starting to really settle into, like you mentioned, the fall patterns. I, I think, you know, we spoke about last week, it was just a few days away, and I think we are officially here. Well, there you go. Arden's got some new stuff coming out. Boy, they do. I, I, I had a meeting with uh, Don, and I actually had a meeting with them a couple weeks ago. I had the opportunity to sit down uh, there in the conference room and go through all the new products. And, and one of the things that I think is interesting, you know how, you know, like Remington, let's say, is known for kind of in the gun market as, as far as being the maintenance and the cleaning and, and all that? Well, Arden is doing the same thing in fishing reels. And it's it's just such an ingenious, it's almost one of those things to where it's like, I mean, why didn't I think of that? But they've coming out with this whole new line of real maintenance products and it's called Proformance and if you have the opportunity to check those out uh, basically I think every major tackle store out there is going to be carrying this stuff but then they've got uh, obviously the new flip and pitch reel that they have a trademark and patent on uh, very technique specific for those of us who love to uh, have a jig in uh, fish in close proximity to our targets but then also their new culling system so a lot of great things that they've got going on and hats off to them because uh i mean they've just done a fantastic job yeah art pride of making missouri that's right all right you ready to go i am let's go do it let's go hear what tim martin has to say folks right here on the edge give any type of boat the edge with megaware keel guard it's simple to install and we can now beach our boat anywhere if you own a boat 
You need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Welcome back to The Edge. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm here with Tim Horton. How you doing, Tim? Steve, I'm great. How about you? Oh, so far, so good. I mean, uh, I'd rather be fishing, but, you know, that's yeah. the way it goes. Yeah, that's, uh, if we can't be fishing, let's just talk about it. How about that? <laughs> Next best thing. Tim, every time I see you, you've got a different do going on on the hair there. Uh, it's grown out a little bit. And, you know, I saw you this time last year, and you had very, very long hair. Tell the folks about that. You know, last year... We were at the California tournament, and Kelly Jordan and I were sitting in the room just watching a baseball game, Major League Baseball game. And there was a guy actually from the California Angels that was growing his hair out for lots of love. And Kelly and I thought that was a neat idea and uh, just started doing it. Didn't get our hair cut throughout the whole season. And uh, it took a little longer than I think, but actually that, that's what we've done. Kelly and I both grew it out for lots of love and donated our hair. And that program is actually for kids that lose their hair because of cancer treatments. And um, they make wigs out of the hair. You know, a, a wig made of real hair is a lot more natural looking, of course, than a synthetic hair. So it was a neat program. Um, got information back from them where we had donated the hair and and uh, that it had went to a to a kid and everything. It was really a cool deal. Yeah. So so you growing it back out now? Yeah, it's just getting back to the normal normal now. I, I don't know that I'll let it grow out that long again. Uh, unless I decide to do that program again, which is really neat. But I can uh, kind of be sympathetic to the women that get out and fish because, man, the tangles and everything you get when you're running down the lake, it's uh, a little bit aggravating at times. Well, you know, Tim, I do that, but I don't think any kid wants any gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to visit with you today a little bit. You know, we've got a lot of anglers here that we've been visiting with this, this week and uh, talking a lot about patterns. Mm-hmm. But every time I think about that, I just remember back when, when you won the tournament last year at Champlain, and you won that on a very, on not so much a pattern as a very specific spot. First of all, tell us about Champlain and how that how that came to be. You know, we had been to Lake Champlain the year before. And down in that area of the lake called Ticonderoga, there was a lot of grass. And, and the fishing was really good. We were catching them, punching through that grass with tubes and jigs and things like that. And, um, man, it was, it was just dynamite fishing. Well, when we went back the following year, a lot of that grass was gone. And you couldn't find uh, locations that were like that. There was a little bit of grass. As you've seen, Steve Kennedy finished second down there fishing a frog. So there was still a little bit, but it was real sparse. And something told me, hey, if those fish are not up here in this grass, they haven't left. They're somewhere around this part of the lake. And uh, and what I did, I actually just moved out and found a, found a location of them and found that magical rock pile. Yeah, and let's tie that back into patterns. I know that uh, that's kind of what we're always really looking for as anglers is that pattern. I mean, would it be fair to say that probably somewhere on Champlain there was another magic rock pile? You know, the the thing about the way that show went, what they had on footage the final day was me catching them off one spot. And granted, that spot was really good. I was able to go there and catch 20 pounds first thing every morning. Well, the second morning when I pulled up on it, I actually caught about 18 pounds and, and left and went to what I thought was my second best place. 
and caught 25 pounds. That was the wet day I weighed in 24.15. So I, in, in all actuality, I had about five of those locations found. It's just one of them was really special. And after I caught the 20 pounds the last day, there was no need of running to those other places. And, uh, and I had a lot of spectator boats following me, and I knew I would give up those other locations if I went to them. So the neat thing about it, I had a spot that was really magical. But I was also running that pattern within that event. There you go. You know, this is the magical rock pile story, and you were indeed on a pattern. And, of course, that's what all anglers are looking for. Talk me through just how your mindset is and how you just begin to form a pattern on a new lake and what factors you're looking to narrow down first. The first thing I'm going to take into consideration is water color. To me, water color is the most important variable, more so than water temperature, um, if it's cloudy or sunny or anything like that. I know if I've got muddy or stained water, those fish are going to be really shallow. And if it's clear, uh, they're going to be out a little bit deeper. You know, bass have real sensitive eyes, particularly a largemouth. I think that's why they're around cover as much or more so than just ambush and bait fish. But I think that's one important element that I always look at when I'm trying to establish a pattern. And then, where did I get my bites? You know, was it on a point? Was it on a boat dock? Was it on a laydown? And I really try to register that each time I get a bite. And then I go and try to duplicate it throughout the day. Then you start taking odds into consideration. You know, I'm getting my points on a laydown. But is it, in a, is it in a little dip in a pocket? Is it on a point? You know, is it on the main lake? Is it in a creek? And then you go try to duplicate that. And for the most part, bass are going to be consistent within the lake you're fishing. And generally, and we talked about this uh, a little earlier, you know, not every bass in the lake is doing the same thing. But these mm -hmm. patterns are what maybe the majority of the fish do. But then you do find multiple patterns on a lake at a, at a given time. Absolutely. I've had events where... Um, where I was doing real well, catching them shallow, and then I move out and I've got another spot deep cranking, especially those transition times. You know, in the fall and the spring, you can really have patterns that are working that are where you're catching fish shallow and out deep. The winter and the summer is where you've really only got maybe one or two patterns working on the lake. But the spring and fall, there could be 10 different techniques that can win a tournament. Let's talk about the mental side of that. You know, you can, we always say a fish doesn't make, you know, one fish doesn't make a pattern. Talk to me a little bit about your mindset as a pro when you're fishing with money on the line about the decision-making process of when to change, when to move, when things aren't like you thought they should be. Yeah, I tell you, Steve, that, that's the biggest choice that we have to make um, is when to leave and when to stay. And that is where it really separates the guys that do well and those that don't because things change. They change not only within the day but within the hour sometimes. And you've got to know that feeling of when to move. I know when I'm fishing a spot and let's say I'm catching fish on an area and the bites start getting smaller, nine times out of ten I'm not going to all of a sudden catch a five-pounder when I'm catching twos and then ones and then, you know, pound and a halfers and things like that. The big fish are always going to bite first. And those little things of knowing that and, and seeing that happening in the past is just really going to give you that intuition of when to move and when to stay. Well, and, and we talk a lot about the guys on tour that guys have certain styles. A certain angler is a shallow water fisherman or a jig fisherman or something like that. Talk to me a little bit about uh, getting out of that pattern and being versatile or maybe uh, sticking with your style. Yeah, and you know, that that is a really a catch-22 because that scenario we talked about earlier where there may be 10 patterns happening on a lake, you want to fish the one that is your strength. You know, if those 10 patterns are happening and one of those is boat docks, you're going to see Denny Brower fishing boat docks, not out deep cranking. You know, and, and that's the scenario that, that we all have as anglers. We all have certain things that we grew up doing on our given body of water of our home lakes that we grew up on. And when you can get those type patterns going, you're going to be more successful. Now, at the same time, 
you don't try to make one work if it's not happening. Uh, we've been to lakes before where, you know, the, the fish were just on the banks. That's all you can say about it. You had to be on the bank to be catching them. And you'll see uh, somebody like David Fritz, who is the best structure fisherman, bar none there is, out fishing offshore structure trying to make it work. And, uh, and I catch myself doing that sometimes, but that's where you'll get in trouble. You better be where the majority of them are happening, unless it's one of those scenarios where the fish are really doing a lot of different things. When you're out on the water making these decisions, how much anguish do you go through? Are there times when you just sit there and go, mm, man, I don't know yeah. what to do, you, you know, even it, as a pro? You know, it almost becomes businesslike in, in, in the way you go about it. You don't, get, you don't get stressful on the situations you're making. It's almost a thought process we don't even beat ourselves up on anymore. It's just a thing we go through throughout the day. I think we go to so many locations, and there's so many events now throughout the year that you just let it flow. You know, if, if it's starting to happen, you flow with that. If it's not, you try to make something else happen. And usually by the end of the day, you have figured something out that works. But a lot of that goes back to your preparation and practice and what you have found and, and, and allowing that to, uh, to take place during the event. Well, just and, and let's mix uh, confidence into this. We all know that uh, when we start losing confidence in something that we're doing, that we're going to be less effective. Do you think confidence is something that you can control? You know, I really do. I think um, I, I don't know that you can control it, but I think you can let it the opposite effect not control you. You can't have confidence to say, "All right, I'm going to catch 20 pounds with an hour left, and I've only got two in the box." You know, that's a different scenario. But what you can let happen is let's say you find a real good group of fish and you run out to that location first thing in the morning and they're not there. That's when you've got to maintain that confidence to say, hey, this right here didn't happen, but I'm either going to figure out where they moved to or I'm going to go put something else together to make it happen. And uh, that's where you don't let a bad situation ruin your whole day. When does confidence turn into stubbornness? <laughs> that's a good point. It's a, it's, it's a very fine line. I know... Um, you have to take the event within what what it is too. You know, if it's the Bassmasters Classic, sometimes you got to be stubborn and try to make it work. Because if you completely negate what you have figured out and what you're doing in an event like that, and you finish seventh or eighth, it's no big deal. It's no difference than who finished fortieth. You know, so an event like that, I think most of the time the anglers are going to stick to what they're doing to give themselves a chance to win. Now, if I'm fishing a regular event where I'm concerned about points. That seventh or eighth place finish is going to be really good, you know. So you really take the event and really what it entails and what you're trying to get out of it. Well, Tim, I know that you know we talk about making the change. This is not working. This is not the pattern I thought it would be. It's time to change, and I find that personally the most difficult thing on the water. Walk me through how you go through that process. You know, I think that the biggest thing is is to know the body of, of water you're fishing and what it produces. You know, if if you're on uh, a Lake Gunnersville in March and you've got a lemon and you've caught 40 fish all day, but you've still only got 12 or 13 pounds, you're doing something wrong because it's going to take 20 to 25 to even make a showing, you know. Uh, but the right opposite of that, let's say, um, you know, you're fishing in, in Pittsburgh or on the Ohio River somewhere where, um, you know, you've got five that weigh seven or eight pounds. Well, you're right there where you need to be. So it's important to know that. It's important to know what those target weights are going to be. And if I'm not going through my day to where I'm reaching that and I feel like things aren't going to change, that's when I'm going to, you know, you can call it taking a gamble, but it's a, it's a necessary gamble that you make a move and do something different to try to get those bigger bites. And it may be just getting away from where you're getting a lot of those smaller bites. I know Florida is a perfect example of that. You can get into an area where you're catching just 20, 30 fish a day in Florida and be in completely the wrong area. 
And then you can move to a place where you only get seven or eight bites a day, but there are, there are those four or five pounders. So I think it's it's just, you know, if it's a tournament scenario where you're trying to win an event, you've got to get into where those more quality bites are. That's where you make that move and get into that mindset of catching those bigger fish. You know, if you're just out fun fishing or you got some kids out wanting to have fun, hey, that's the kind of places you want to be catching those 20 and 30, 30 fish a day places. Well, I, this is just something I've kind of always been curious about, but when you fish, you've got a lot of money invested, and there's a lot of money on the line. So these are very important decisions in your right. life, very important life decisions, so to speak. Do you ever just get to the point where I'm going out of the box, man? I'm just going totally out of the box and do something just totally different? Or, or does it ever get like that for you on the tour? Yeah, you know, sometimes it does. And and you can get, if you're, if you're up there really good in points toward the end of the year, you can take a little risk like that to, to gamble and get outside the box. Because a lot of times when you get outside the box, that's when you win an event. You know, I know um, when I won at Lake Toho in 2001, I was on the south end of that lake and there was nobody else fishing down there because the water was so muddy. And usually in Florida, that is the thing you don't want to do is fish dirty water. Well, I found a location of fish down there, and I, same scenario. I wasn't catching but five or six a day, but, man, they were they were really the size that I needed. I ended up winning that tournament by 17 pounds or so. And there I was, completely out of the box, away from where everybody else was fishing in that event. Well, Tim, i tell you what, it's a good-looking day. Why don't we go throw a few spinnerbaits? I think we might or two. It looks like a spinnerbait day. Let's do it. Okay, man. Thanks for being on the edge. Thanks, Steve. All right, welcome back to the Edge. Uh, Mr. Aaron Martin and yours truly outdoors. Dan, topic of fishing pattern versus fishing spot. Yes, and, uh, you know, I commend Steve uh, because that is a, a topic that I think is over, overlooked a little bit because I, I think that it's easy to make the assumption that, you know, when, when anglers are competing and they're doing very well, that it has more to do with the particular spot that they're fishing. And I think, like Tim pointed out, that really what he looks to do is develop a pattern and then more or less refine the spot once he figures out what the fish are relating to and uh, what the, what they want to respond to bait-wise. Yeah, because if you're not on the right pattern, you could have be a good spot and still miss fish. Bingo, Dan. And the other thing is, too, you know, just with the popularity of bass fishing, if you're depending upon, let's say, a spot, much like he mentioned in one of the tournaments that he went to, you know, he went to this spot and boats are sitting on it. And they've got just as much right, obviously, as you to be there. Uh, so if you're depending on that spot, that can really handcuff you as far as the rest of the day is concerned. Absolutely. You know, that's actually came up. I, I know we had one person on here that really, he really stressed that. But that's really the common denominator of a lot of these anglers that mention, you know, the, the need and requirement of being a versatile angler. Um, you know, I know Steve Kennedy, when I asked him, I said, you know, are you more of a uh, generalist or, or do you, want to really want to focus in and his response i think was he likes to be an expert in all areas so mm-hmm. uh, yeah pete and several other of the anglers have said that that you have to be versatile yeah no question you know and i i think tim's uh kind of pointing out that you really need to identify that pattern but then also bring your strengths when once you identify those patterns because in in his case i, th- I think he said you know there's multiple patterns going on around the lake at any given time and he really tries to bring his strengths into one of those patterns yeah i mean because what do you do i mean you could get on your pre-fish for three or four days and the tournament gets there and you go to the area that you did have some good bites on and there's five boats there right you know if you 
you got to have a different area. And, and, you know, what if you go to a bridge and, the, you know, say, like you're fishing a tidal system, say, like it's five feet down, and when you fished it before, it was, you know, the water was higher, you're going to have to go to a different pattern. Well, and I think that's what uh, his comment about confidence, that, you know, it's very important uh, to maintain your confidence during your fishing day because, like what you had just mentioned, let's say you pull up to your spot and there's already a boat there, or maybe you pull up to your spot and the fish don't react uh, immediately. It's really important that you maintain that confidence and know that you still have the ability to adapt, regardless if the fish are not responding the way they did during practice or maybe somebody beat you to your spot. Bottom line is you can't let that mental uh, part of it get in your way, otherwise it's going to bring you down. Yeah. And, hey, speaking of patterns real quick, folks, for all you guys out there in the Midwest, I would definitely, uh, you know, this, we're getting into the latter part of October here, definitely start trying to still fish some crawfish stuff because I'm telling you right now, the bass are knocking the crawfish like crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that has been, I was out, uh, actually had the opportunity to kind of break in between um, when I got back from, from the southern swing there before heading out to Vegas. And uh, every single fish I caught, you know, had, uh, well, I shouldn't say every single, I, w- I would dare say nine out of ten had remnants of, of crayfish that was either coming out of its mouth or they were up in the shallows, you know, munching on them. You could just tell. So there you go. There's some tips from Mr. Martin. There we go. All right, we need to get to the Inside Ed segment. This week we're going to check in with Troy Heckman of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association and what a great group that is. And we'll be right back with them right here on the Ed. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on this week's Inside Edge and joining us for really what is going on in the sport of collegiate fishing. That is Mr. Troy Heckman from the CBAA, or otherwise known as the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. Troy, thanks so much uh, for being part of the Edge. Hey, Aaron, not a problem as always. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, consider you family members now of uh, the, the Bass Edge. Exactly, and, and you know, likewise, I, I think that's one of the things that is... It's so exciting when I look at the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association and what's going on, uh, you know, through the competitions. And, and also, uh, you know, we've had the, the pleasure of getting several of them plugged in through different things that we're doing at Bass Edge. But it is. It's kind of like a big family. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, when you look at, at the sport of fishing, that it transcends over into the collegiate level, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've said it before. And that's one of the things that we're probably proudest about is just uh, the personal relationships we've been able to, you know, establish with each of the teams. And, uh, you know, we're getting, uh, we've gotten, you know, wedding invitations and graduation invitations. And that's, uh, uh, you'll come fish with us or we've got a seat open for you in a boat anytime. It's just an excellent group of young men and women to be working with. And uh, we couldn't be prouder to, um, to be able to help them out and, you know, get teams and have them try to get them on the water as much as possible. Yeah, and, and no question, Troy. And, and for those of our new listeners, because obviously there's listeners joining us every week, just give us the, the quick version of what is the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association uh, for those who may not be familiar with that. Well, the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association says we are the independent voice of collegiate bass fishing. Uh, we are a amateur athletic organization, and our primary goal is to uh, standardize and unify the sport towards varsity recognition. 
And it's certainly on its way because from my understanding, I know what well, it was just uh, probably a couple of weeks ago down at uh, Smith Lake in Alabama had a uh, pretty knockdown time, not only in the, in the competitive side, but also I heard that they treated you very well on the hospitality side, too. Oh, absolutely. I tell you, the uh, um, Linda and her group there at the Walker uh, County Chamber of Commerce, is, I tell you, they put on a great show. We couldn't ask for anything better from them. If you look in a dictionary, you'd certainly find them under Southern Hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the staff, our our, our folks, and the, the anglers and their parents were treated to a you know a top shelf experience down there, and uh, you know it's just a little bit of a tough lake, but you know they caught fish and had a great time, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to working with them towards building uh, the program with them for uh, 2009 and beyond. It's uh, definitely going to be one of the jewels and the uh, crown of uh, collegiate fishing for sure. It just amazes me, Troy, as far as you know this thing continues to grow, and I mean of course like you said with the inaugural events that's taking place there in in the southeast now you know kind of getting that whole conference kicked off uh, but also canada uh you know the i think the university of ottawa or something like that did i hear correctly that uh, now the cbaa is expanding into canada absolutely we've uh yeah we just got contact uh working on club development plan for a group out of ottawa university and uh for my voice on that day we have interest in actually a university over in japan now so Someday maybe we'll have an international flavored event. We're going to work hard with those folks and uh, definitely try to provide them an opportunity to, you know, fish with us. And the logistics are going to need to be worked out, but it's exciting. Hopefully we'll be able to get something set up in both of their countries so they can enjoy the great resources that they, they have over there and just a thrill of competition. Well, certainly a lot of exciting stuff that, you know, that's going on within the CBAA. And before we get out of here, Troy, there is something that everybody does need to be aware of concerning 2009 in it. And that is, you've got to be able to get things going right now at your school. Otherwise, you won't be able to participate. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're uh, just finalizing details on locations and dates for our 2009 event. Uh, we do plan to bring a couple of our events to location fairly close to uh, as many of the student anglers as we can. Uh, we'll have an event coming up that's going to be on the West Coast in the uh, um Oregon area probably in August we're working on and definitely, you know, Great Lakes area, uh, be back in the Heartland area there with uh, Big 12 teams and local teams there along with uh, down here in the, the Bayou region and the, the southeast again and uh, we have a couple other tentative ones we're working on but yeah, I need to encourage everybody if, uh, you know, uh, we provided a lot of club development plans. We're over 400 to date. Approximately 140 of those have become recognized student organizations to date. And uh, give us a call if you're having problems with it. If you got the information, uh, we'll, we'll help you out any way you can. We want to see you on the water as much as possible. It's a great time, and we got a great staff we're putting together to assist the clubs out there. So, uh, hey, we're coming to the water near you, and be ready. Well, there you have it. I mean, and, and that is, I think, when you look at the gas prices and some of those type of things, that's important. Certainly, you guys have, are doing just such a, a tremendous job, and uh, Bass Edge is just really honored to be a part of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. And for more information, certainly go to collegiatebass.org. Is that correct, Troy? That is correct. Certainly get on there, log on, find out additional information. We also have uh, a lot of the info that's posted on our website as well as our e-newsletter. Troy, again, thank you so much for your time, and uh, please keep up the great work. Not a problem. Not a problem. I want to just wish everyone out there, uh, uh, you know, safe travels and tight lines. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, 
tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge, and it's time for the Ask the Pro question. I guess we're going to have you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. This, this week's what? question is actually answered by Mike Webb, but uh, I think you and I both actually have some comments to, to pass on to Mr. Parker. Do we? Yeah, well, I think so. Well, I've always got a comment. Yeah. I don't know if it's good or not. Hey, we, got, uh, we do have a young man from Iowa. Way to go there, Parker. And uh, Mr. Martin? Yes. Have at it. All right, here we go. He says, I am 13 years old, and I love, in all capitalization, to fish. And uh, we have this lake near our house. It has some okay-sized bass in it. We go there all the time to fish, but there is one problem. We don't have a boat, so we can't get to the fish. I need some shore fishing tips other than bobber and worm fishing. Also, our lake has, like, no real structure at all. We can't get fish anywhere only on full moons. We know there's fish there, but we can't get them. Please help. And this answer actually comes from uh, Mike Webb, and then I'm going to give him some additional information. But it says, Parker, great question. I would look for a place that has shallow water next to deeper water like a point. The fish will move up on the shallow point to feed and then go back into the deeper water. If you are fishing during the middle of the day when the sun is bright, they will be in the deeper water since they don't have any actual cover. Remember, fish don't have eyelids, so the bright sun bothers them. Good luck, and I hope you catch a big one next time. Mike Webb. The other thing that I would like to throw out to Parker is that uh, on the website, BassEdge.com, if you go under the uh, video tips, Bob Lusk has uh, numerous pieces on exactly that, fishing from the shoreline, on fishing ponds. And uh, so if you get the opportunity, Parker, if you can get on there, uh, that will be in addition to what Mike had to share with you. But uh, thanks so much for sending in the question, and thanks to Mike for a great answer. And, you know, Parker, just, there's nothing wrong with fishing from the bank. You just need to get out there and, like some guys said, just find you a pattern that works. And believe me, lake fishing is some of the best fishing you will ever have. Those smaller lakes produce some tremendous big fish. No question. So go get them, Parker. I'm glad to see somebody in Iowa fishing. <laughs> and not for I always that. People don't fish in Iowa. Yeah. You know, I don't know where they get that misconception, but Boy, there's that's a lot of bass. Sure. There's a people ton of anglers in Iowa. Oh, it's crazy. Don't forget to check out the latest Bass Edge merchandise, and I've apparently heard from Bass Edge headquarters folks, and I have to say that uh, I said something erroneous on our last uh, podcast. We are not going to have a Bass Edge travel kit, <laughs> so please disregard my uh, my blurb. Yeah, I, I, I think there was a, a few emails that came in requesting on what it was that we were talking about. So. Well, I really thought the uh, the Bass Edge, so you don't stink it up the next tournament deodorant, was a great winner, but yeah. uh, apparently the folks at headquarters don't think so. Well, it just amazes me that anybody takes you serious, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody does. I, I'm just here for to liven it up a little bit. That's right. The new e-newsletter is out, and it's absolutely free. Just go to the BassEdge.com site and sign up for that. We'd love to hear from you on the giveaways. Include your shipping information. We need your name, address, phone number, and we don't need your political affiliation. That is correct. Yeah, but uh, please vote. It's very important. Vote's next, like, next week, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, like, like yeah. in eight days? Not this. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that I think correct. so. Seven, eight. So please get out there and vote. I don't care who you vote for. The most important thing is 
get out there and make sure you vote. That's right. And we get this election behind us and start making some economy turnaround. Hey, new video clips are out, and you can also go to YouTube and see Mr. Martin. Yeah, and yeah. Let's not say we did because that's uh, that's at my expense. But uh, well, no, there are some things out there. Would love to have uh, love to have people enjoy that. So uh, even if it is laughing at me, I'll I'll take one for the team. Well, you should because you always do. Yeah. Hey, uh, anything else going on? Uh, no, that's it. Um, we'll have another uh, great show lined up uh, next week. Yeah, we're going to have BASS angler Dave Wolak and also Larry Bird. How did you get Larry Bird out of retirement? You know, Larry Bird, I, I tell you, he and I go way back. We used to scrimmage together on the courts. and uh, of I course, didn't know I, you were a basketball guy. I am a basketball guy. No, Larry uh, this is different. Hey, can you believe how many names that we have of, of sharing stars? You know, Terry Bolton, uh uh, Kurt Warner is on our production, you know, yeah. former quarterback of the Rams. Uh, yeah. We've got all these shared names. But uh, anyway, no, Larry Bird, who is actually very familiar with electronics uh, and also part of the uh, Lawrence uh, team there in Oklahoma, he's going to be sharing some information on that. Yeah, and folks, I've been asked to ask you to please send in your Ask the Pro questions. And don't forget to send email at prostaff at bassedge.com. With any link to any postings that you've done on the various message boards, and they'll send you some cool stuff as saying thank you for being part of the Bass Edge team. That's right. So, are we out of here? We are out of here. We'll see you on the other side, Dan. Folks, for Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan. Please be safe out there. Have a great time in the outdoors, and we'll see you next time right here on the Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstart Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.